0: Let's be honest, few humans enjoy meetings, and many feel trapped in meetings. As leaders, we don't want to burden those we lead, but meetings can seem to do that more often than not. We wanted to address the pain of meetings through the Meetings with Saints library. Here we have 15 plus presentations dedicated to improving the meetings we run. We have experts in the field addressing topics like getting people involved in meetings, staying on task. Dealing with conflict in meetings and a ton more. We'd love you to explore the full Meetings with Saints library over 14 days at no cost to you. You can do this by visiting leadingsaints.org slash 14. That's leadingsaints.org slash one four. We'll also give you access to all of our virtual libraries that educate about other leadership topics. It's really good stuff. So visit leadingsaints.org slash 14 or click the link in the show notes. Today I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, in a uh, corner of a hotel lobby. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna reveal where we're at, but here we are, nonetheless. We we make these interviews happen, rain or snow, in downtown hotel lobby or not. I'm with uh, Greg and Deborah Stapley. How are you two? We're doing we're great. We're doing
1: well. Thank you for having us.
0: Awesome. Now maybe, uh, maybe Deborah, put us. Why are you in Salt Lake right now? You're from Southern California, right? Yes. So what led to this uh, meeting here?
1: Uh, Well, Greg and I have been recently asked to serve as mission leaders um, for the church in Querétaro, Mexico. We begin July 1st, and part of that process is obtaining a visa, Um, and so the church uh, flew us up here today so that we could meet um, the lovely people at the Mexican consulate office uh, who took our picture and our fingerprints. And hopefully we will receive that visa in time to leave on <laughs> July 1st.
2: Nice. Now, are you nervous that you won't receive it or is Mexico pretty, uh, pretty? I think the church's relationship with Mexico has been pretty good. And yeah. uh, it seems like uh They're they're on top of this, so we should get there in plenty of time. It did
1: make me nervous, though, mailing my... Passport. passport
2: giving that away. Yeah. yeah get, I a, mean, that is a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Drop it in a mailbox and uh-huh. hope you see it again. Yeah. Right.
1: right. But I saw it today with my own two eyes. I had to, I, they didn't give it back to me yet, but yeah. I'm pretty sure we will eventually get nice. it back.
0: So Greg, maybe tell us the story. How did this uh, call come to be? It usually starts with a random phone call. That's why. From yeah, of- it
2: was, it, it, there was a, uh, you know, I've been a stake president for the past eight and a half years. And uh, so regular contact with, um, the brethren and they just um you know uh or area 70 that i knew called and what's our what's your situation it's a couple of years ago uh-huh. and um you know financial personal family everything okay health um uh, they they ask you a few random questions and then they tell you okay, you know, think nothing of this conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this was with an Area 70 that you knew?
2: It, it, it was, okay. it was with it was actually a friend. And, uh, and, uh, he said, um, you know, maybe you may never hear anything again. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so this last fall, we had another phone call and, um, it was a secretary for elder Stevenson of the quorum of the 12 said he wanted to chat with us. Hmm. And, um, And so we set that up and had a Zoom call with him. So it spent about an hour. It was delightful, uh, as you might imagine. And at the end of it, he said the same thing. Said, well, okay, well, nice to get to know you. Yeah. <laughs> let's stay in touch. And he, Nothing official. Well, friend. In
1: fact, he <laughs> said, not only let's stay in touch, but he said, hey, if you're ever up in Salt Lake, uh, you know, give me a call. We'll go to lunch. Yeah, and you're just Greg like, and I really? I yeah,
2: because yeah, he's well. got nothing <laughs> else to <laughs> no do. He's that, always available. He's sure. so kind. He's <laughs> cool. so
1: the kind. The
2: nicest guy. Yes. And uh, so he at the end of the end, he said, you know, We may we may call you for something. We may not. And uh, lo and behold, about a week later, um, coincidentally, I was flying back from Washington, D.C., where I had been speaking at a healthcare conference. And uh, as the plane touched the tarmac in Salt Lake, my phone rang and it was President Nelson's secretary asking Mm. if we would come over. And I was meeting Debbie. We were coming up here for some meetings and uh, uh, and. all worked out we got to meet with president nelson and and receive the call and it was a wonderful experience nice. so here we are
0: and at that point it's not the call as far as a specific location it's no. Just to say this is happening location we'll came you know.
2: i think and that was off octo- mid-october i think location came nice. like first week of december nice and uh, where did you serve as a young missionary? I was. I served in Southern Spain in the oh, Spain Seville nice. mission. So, were you hoping for a
0: Spanish speaking assignment? Well, or?
2: we knew that we knew oh, they, that the, the Spain you. missions were not open. Oh, this okay. Time. I the, see. the mission leaders in those missions uh, have some time left to go. So, but nice. Queretaro, Mexico, uh, we which we had never heard of, <laughs> is a it, when you look at it and study it, it's so uh, the Spanish influence is very heavy. Wow. And it's all Spanish colonial architecture in some of these older towns. And it just seems like a perfect, we've just got the immediate feeling that this was the perfect calling for mm-hmm. Greg and Deborah Stably.
0: Nice. Now, Deborah, your, your family has uh, experienced the bishop calling before and the stake president calling. Um, and I'm sure you have unique stories just sort of going into that. That responsibility, I see it as a family responsibility with some of those callings. So with this, I mean, what, speak to the wives of leaders out there who, you know, walking into the, what sort of feelings have you gone through? How do you prepare? I mean, has it been different than some of those others?
1: Well, you know, it, it's funny. Yesterday we were we were in the kitchen and Greg is making dinner. He's making Sunday dinner. And that hasn't happened in years. Like <laughs> I he has not been home to help with Sunday dinner, ever that I can like remember in near memory, so it's kind of been a divide and conquer relationship mm. with Greg and with me. He's kind of had his responsibilities, I've had mine, um, but we very rarely had any assignment that we've been able to work on together. Mm. And so, this is really an exciting opportunity for us now to be able to be companions, and um, serve really arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, and work on something so important together. Um, I mean, still, we we we're still sort of in divide and conquer mode because there's still so many things to do to get ready to go. Like he has his list. I have my list. We're still sort of conquering <laughs> things, yeah. you know, but as I think as soon as we get to create and we are, we are really fully engaged every minute in, um, preparing for the zone conferences, welcoming new missionaries, what state conferences, all the things that you do as, as mission leaders, I'm really looking forward to, um, being able to be with him all the time.
2: Nice. It's gonna yeah.
1: be a lot of fun. Yeah. And
2: that, and that's something that that we didn't expect, or I at least I didn't expect. When I came back from my mission, I worked a couple of years at the MTC and I taught couples, uh senior couples who were oh, going out. Yeah. And, and and one of the more interesting things I learned as a 21, 22 year old was that I would get these couples in who'd been married for 40 years. And you know, would claim there would never been a crossword between them, and within two weeks of being together twenty four seven, they were kind of like picking at each other and having, having issues. <laughs> is the true test, huh? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and so, you know, I've, I kind of that dynamic has kind of stuck with me throughout our marriage, and we're hitting forty years in a couple of weeks. Oh wow! wow. Um, and so, uh, we haven't we haven't experienced any of that as yeah. we've dug in together. And uh, started started working toward this mission.
0: Yeah, and were just reflecting back on those the the bishop years and the state president years, like any principles or like if you were to go back in time to day one and talk to yourself, any advice that comes to mind readily as far as making that work or or making that a, a positive experience.
1: I, you know what, it never was a negative experience for me. And I I wonder if maybe sometimes it's because I grew up with a dad who was always a bishop or a stake president, Mm -hmm. too. So it was normal. It like that was my normal, you know, having a dad who was was often engaged in church work. Um, But when my dad was home, he was home like he didn't really bring that home so yeah. much, right? And Greg has been kind of the same way. Um, and and I guess if there's one thing I could say I is, n- is don't resent the time that they're spending away because where would you rather they be? Hmm. I mean, maybe home, I guess. But other than home, um, I guess I would always have the idea run through my head that I always knew that he wanted to be home, that if he wasn't doing what he was doing, if he wasn't in a bishopric meeting or a stake president meeting or something like that, I knew that he would rather be home. Um, And so, I mean, I I guess if you have this worry that your husband's not home because he doesn't want to be home, then that could cause some conflict and And, um, you know, some real angst in in your life. But when you know that your husband would rather be home and that's his favorite place to be, I don't know, it just never bothered me that he was gone. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and I I travel extensively for business as well. And so when she says I wasn't home, um, I wasn't home. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, there are adjustments I make because, and she could tell one thing, the reason she can say, I knew he wanted to be home is if, if for work, if I had a, a trip to make, if there was a way ever for me to sleep in my own bed, you know, take the first flight out, take the last flight back. doesn't matter if it's a 22 hour day, just get home. Um, that was, that's always been yeah. my policy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and what, uh, how,
2: how would you describe your, your career? Um, I started as a, as a lawyer with a large law firm in Phoenix, Arizona, my hometown and, uh, was partnered there. Um, eventually went in house with a client. Um, and then in about 99 started uh, with some partners, uh, a really good little healthcare company that's done very, very well. Uh, went public in 2007. That mm. was an experience um, and, uh, and in 2014 took, I, I started as a real estate lawyer. So I kind of came full circle and in 2014. We took all the real estate we'd accumulated in this growing healthcare company and spun it out into a, a public real estate investment trust. Nice. Uh, so care trust is, is my company. I've just, uh, handed over the reins as CEO a couple of months ago to oh, wow. my successor, still <laughs> on the board, chairman of the board, but, um, they know you won't be around. Uh, they know I'm around. not going to be around for a while, but it's a great company and I've had great leadership, business leadership experiences there as well.
0: Nice. Nice. And uh, did, so did, I assume your release as stake president came because of this mission call? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so how long did you serve as a stake president? Uh, eight and a half years. Oh, okay. So you're about time anyway. It was yeah.
2: about, yeah, it was going to be, it was going to okay. be nine, nine. And so. And
0: did you go right from bishop
2: to stake president? No. Oh, okay. So you had a, they how many
0: be. years difference each Uh
2: Let's see. I had about seven or eight years in between where yeah. I served on my councils and spent, interestingly, you know, talk about the Lord preparing you. We have a Spanish ward in our stake and I was a high council advisor to that ward for about three years. So I was in it every day, hmm. you know, worked on my Spanish, has come back to a large degree okay. because of that experience and it's prepared me a, a little bit. Yeah. for this.
0: Yeah. And um you know we we talked before we hit recorded about this dynamic of some you know you have a heavy leadership career and it's maybe tempting to let those you know business uh leadership principles spill over into spiritual leadership but sometimes that doesn't work other times it may but uh what what comes to mind when you think about that I I that dynamic.
2: Well, I, you know, I, I, I always remember, and I, I don't have no word, can't give you the exact quote, but President Benson said something to the effect that, uh, you know, you business guys don't think you can run your church call in the same way you run your business. Yeah. It's not the same and the objectives are not the same. And um, that gets really tough when you're in a business leadership role and you're working really hard and the phone rings and you switch, you're toggling between the business and the state president or the bishop or the whatever, mm-hmm. five, six, 10 times a day, literally. Hmm. Um, uh, in, in business, we had some very clear objectives uh, that had to do with, you know, serving the best interests of shareholders, making sure our employees were taken care of, and um, advancing, you know, the goals and objectives of the business uh, in a pretty um, aggressive way. Hmm. In church, um, there's a different dynamic. Uh, it's about people, and the minute you think it's about the programs, mm-hmm. uh, you you are off track. Uh, the programs are a means to an end. The people are the end, and helping them come unto Christ and make sure that uh, they're they're strengthened, they grow. And so you take people that you wouldn't hire in your business and you put them into leadership roles and you work and you mentor and you're patient and you, you, you exercise a lot more patience in, in a church calling than I would in yeah. a business role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what did that patience look like as far as, um, cause obviously in the business world, you're maybe delegating or assigning and, and there's some uh, accountability there. That's a tough part in the. Church context is this concept of accountability or follow through and whatnot. Sometimes it's hard to do it in the same way in the church context because, man, this is a volunteer person, you know, they're not getting paid for this. And, you know, this is really all we got in this geographic area. But any, as far as like accountability or delegation that comes to mind uh, in in the church context?
2: Well, the church systems and the training that you get as a church leader are very good in terms of follow up and accountability and mm. seeing that things get done and having those systems in place um, in both business and church, you know, really helps. Have your system, make sure it works um, and and then and then execute on it. You, you are executing and, and honestly, you know, even in church, I, I'm kind of a pusher and, mm. and I would push, but... It, it, in business, a lot was about the outcome in church. The Lord takes care of the outcome. Mm. Um, and, and it's really about m- helping that person to learn and grow and, and maybe get ready for their next role uh, or just solve whatever challenges in front of them, just mature spiritually. And if, and if you get that, but the outcome's not that awesome, Um, that's when you just kind of say, yeah, but the Lord's in charge and everything will be fine. And it will be, um, you don't get that luxury in business, but in church, the Lord's in charge. So you say you're a pusher, like does
0: an experience come to mind where you, I am sure you weren't (laughs) making people cry in your office, like (laughs) pushing
2: too hard, but like, what what did that, that characteristic look like? No, I hope I was a, I hope (laughs) I was a kind and benevolent. Sure. dictator in the <laughs> office i'm very collaborative and i did carry that over into the church uh-huh. thing i'm I, I really think listening is important and people not just because people will have information that you need mm-hmm. but but because they need to know that they've been heard and and i think it's foolish for a business leader for example to, to go out and work really hard to hire the best people they can hire and then not listen to them and not give them the latitude and the trust and things that, that they need to do their job. So I probably did carry a lot of that over into the church calling, um, very listening, very, very collaborative. Um, I really like the counseling model that the, that the brethren have taught over and over and over, uh, to sit in councils and, um, and and make sure everybody's heard. Um, that's yeah. hard yeah. sometimes because there are some who just aren't are hesitant to speak up. And making sure that they that they feel comfortable and get and get the um, get their thoughts out is really really important. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's 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 about process on both sides, but. Um, the objectives just end up being a little bit different
0: yeah and then i know it's like this concept of listening it's like well you just make sure your ears are on you're looking at them maybe you're Mm -hmm. nodding right but maybe there's a difference between just listening and helping somebody feel like they're being heard so if you were to train a, a brand new leader on on how to effectively listen or help an individual feel like they're they're being heard. Any, any principles or concepts come to mind?
2: Well, I, you know, nothing new. Stephen Covey taught this for years, you know, the reflective listening and Mm -hmm. just rather than sitting there planning the next thing you're going to say it's really important to actually hear what they're telling you and then repeat it back in some way or, or, or provide, you know, something that builds on it. And um, I don't know that that's a skill that Mm -hmm. I've developed or just had, but I've been able to do that, I think, fairly well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I would just,
1: I was just agreeing. Yeah, Yeah, he's a great listener. He's very patient and... Um, which has made me very grateful that he's my companion because yeah. he's needed to be.
0: That makes for a good husband as well, right? Yes, if you have those skills.
1: yes exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Nice. Eternal companion. He's,
0: nice. he's, he's great. Now, Greg, you mentioned as far as people and, and Deborah, before we hit record, you talked about your time as a Stake Relief Society president and really connecting with the people you lead and helping them feel loved, and and this is sort of almost a cliche we have, and I, not just in our faith tradition, but you know what, we want people to feel loved. So, anything come to mind as far as how you went about doing that?
1: Well, if I could just kind of tag on to what Greg was talking about and and give a an example of what not to do. Hmm. Um, for example, I I had this idea that I thought was great. Right. It, it was going to be this big community fair called, that we were calling Healthy, Wealthy and Wise.
0: Oh, cool. Uh-huh.
1: And it had a great little catchy name. And it was just it, I, I had this vision of it being like a convention hall at a county fair just filled with information and music like I had in my head what I wanted it to be. And I thought that that was personal revelation to me about what we should do and I but I could do it by myself right I needed people to help and so our stake president um, presidency called a a really talented um, capable guy brother in our stake to kind of do it to kind of organize it for us and he had a different idea About how it should run. But rather than listening to him and really, really hearing his point of view, I was bugged Hmm. by it. I felt like, look, this is the idea. If you don't want to do it, let me know. We'll find somebody else
0: to do <laughs> yeah, it. Get on board, right? right? Get yeah. on
1: board or or here's your, you know, window or aisle. What do you want? <laughs> and and that was kind of my attitude. And and constantly and so consequently, the planning really and even the execution of this activity was really hard. Nothing nothing really felt quite right hmm. and and it was my fault hmm. because i i was just too stubborn to really acknowledge that other people might have really good <laughs> ideas too and something valuable to contribute and you know the 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 event was was good it was it was fairly well attended but not Great, and anyway, the lesson I learned from that though is that, um, as Greg said, if you really are interested in being a good leader, you do have to acknowledge that there are other people that have good ideas too, mm. <laughs> and and that if you will take time to listen and to uh, to coordinate your thoughts and synchronize your watches and. Um, and so forth, you could come up with something really extraordinary that um has a greater potential to accomplish even the goal that you might have felt inspired originally to achieve. You know, maybe that thought that you originally had was a stepping off point.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And
1: you need to acknowledge that right and not be so so stubborn in thinking that you have all the answers, and which is kind of the trap that I fell into. I I learned a great lesson there. Then the next activity I was asked to put together, because of that experience, I approached it completely differently and had a marvelous experience. Hmm. I had in my head exactly what I wanted this particular activity to look like. It was a kind of a night at the museum, kind of themed thing where we were learning all about the Book of Mormon and so, and so forth, and I had in my head what I wanted to do, but because of this committee that I asked to help, the ideas went back and forth and back and forth, and they got changed a bunch of times, but what we ended up with was something that was so exciting and fun and wonderful, and and it was a great lesson to me yeah. that, you know, the idea that I think I'm inspired about is Probably just a stepping off point.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I love that because it can seem so clear. You know, we have this vision of what this activity or thing is going to look like, and we think this is the inspiration. When in reality is simply a step off point. I love. Yeah. I love uh, framing it like that. And and there, it sounds like there's this point where you just sort of surrendered that, yeah. right? And just saying we're gonna make we're gonna hear everybody's perspective. Yeah. And, oh, and, and it felt forward. so
1: good to be yeah, able to do that because it's not my personality.
0: Yeah.
1: I am like I am pretty stubborn about. Things sometimes like I get an idea. Stop laughing. I get an idea, and I, I kind of want to see it yeah. through. But, but boy, it turned out so much better than my original idea. Yeah. And and it was a great lesson for me just cool. to listen.
0: Yeah. And and Greg, you mentioned as far as uh, you know, there's this sort of approaching leadership in in the church with more focus on people and and realizing that people involved here. I'm sure you did that in your, your business side as well, but you're, you're much as a CEO, maybe in the executive level, you have hundreds and thousands of people that maybe you're not connecting with that way. But, um, and what, what principles come to mind as far as, you know, seeing people as people and connecting with them and how'd you go about that?
2: Um, you know, I, I, some, one thing, very, very basic, um, for me, uh, was something that came from Deborah uh, When I started as state president, I'm, I'm. people don't know, I'm 6'4", yeah. 250. Yeah. Big and I am, I, I think I'm a big teddy bear, but people will say, <laughs> you know, you're kind of intimidating. Um, and so um, one of the things she told me right after I was called as state president is, look, you know, you've got to, you've got to connect with people in a extra special way because mm-hmm. a lot of them are just, you know, kind of, worried (laughs) about you and uh and one of the suggestions she made was that i could be more of a hugger i did not grow up in a house where you we hugged or Uh did those kinds of things and so through the course of years i forced myself to learn learn how to you know give somebody a heartfelt hug and connect with them and express love and appreciation for them in a real way which i always felt but was again not didn't come from a background where that was expressed the same that way yeah Yeah. and um, that that went miles now I don't necessarily you can't necessarily do that in every business setting yeah but I did try and make sure that people knew that I valued them and that they that their contributions were very important uh, by by listing it again and making sure that uh, that that they had a seat at the table whenever we could make the table big enough
0: yeah Yeah, so going back to hugging, like was this after every temple recommend interview? You were hugging people. I mean, how did you go about? Not everyone,
2: but you know, a lot of them. And you know, if uh, somebody comes in and they have a problem, and it's you know, a lot of tears get shed in the leadership offices of the church. And um, you know, you're you're careful, but we are. um, But but you know, a a quick hug and you're going to be okay is. Yeah, really it's as helpful as anything you might say to some people. Yeah.
0: You know, there's this, I remember this feeling as, as a Bishop where I would, it's sort of my job to supply the Kleenexes, right? Like, but there's this feeling of maybe some consciousness of like, Hey, you know, clean yourself up. This is, this is, you're a mess, you know, but where a hug has more of like this, I just accept you. Like I want to, you're having a hard time. And before you go, I just bring it in brother, you know, like that, that type of thing. And, and, And it sounds so simple, but it does go a long way to offer that uh, human connection. We're built. I mean, there's something about a hug that, that does something to our soul. That's yeah.
2: good. So, Yeah. Um, so one of the challenges we'll have as mission leaders now is that that's a really not okay. Right. They really <laughs> tell you. Not hugging the sisters, right? do Yeah. No, can't. <laughs> it's definitely can't hug the sisters. Can't
1: hug the elders and, either.
2: I really yeah. can't hug the elders either. It's, mm. it's, um, I'm not sure why that rule is there, but. Interesting. Cause I got a hug uh, from
0: my mission president after every interview.
2: But, did you? Yeah. See. He um, well, must be
0: old. 22 years ago. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I am sure there's yeah, great there's wisdom behind yeah. that and uh, there will be other ways. Yeah. Uh, I think it's as mission leaders, uh, you come in and the missionaries just naturally love you. We, we spent a day last week in a zone conference in the Los Angeles mission where the mission leaders, John and Mary Egbert are really dear friends of ours. Hmm. And they just testified over and over that, the, you know, the missionaries just love you automatically. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be an issue for us. Yeah,
0: that's good. So Deborah, I'm curious, as you were coaching your husband, you know, and on, on maybe being more, um, compassionate or you know maybe try a hug every once in a while any any other tips you'd have maybe if there is a leader who just I who has this persona that's maybe more intimidating it's not their fault maybe but any other tips you'd give on being more compassionate
1: I I wish I had tips you know my my dad had the same problem people were very intimidated by him um the booming voice and the big dark eyebrows and but (laughs) you know they what what they don't see are the tears that roll down his face when he watches a movie, <laughs> you know, when when he sees today, he was showing me a a painting that he recently bought of uh, or ordered of uh, the stripling warriors and. I could see his ear, his eyes tearing up as he just showed me the picture yeah. of it. I mean, this, look at him right now. If you just it, we're pulling
0: it out of, him I terrible. mean,
1: he he's just the <laughs> he has the most tender heart. And just because he's a big man, <laughs> and he's a smart man, and he's a handsome man, all of those things can be intimidating to people. So I don't really know what the secret is. I I do think that you do have to try a little harder uh, you have to make more of an effort concerted effort to be sure that people know that you're just a a normal guy like like they are that you have struggles too and that we're all trying to do our best to, to return to heavenly father and you know life's not just perfect or or um trouble-free for anybody that everybody has things to, to work on and deal with and overcome and including ourselves. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the more real you can be with people, the better if you can, if you can share some of your difficulties from time to time and people can see, oh, I guess he is normal. Yeah. You know, I think that's helpful, Yeah. you know, yeah, people can see your vulnerabilities from time to time is, is not, not all bad.
0: Yeah. So I'm just curious, like walking into this experience in in a couple of months here, I mean, do you try and hold back of putting together too much of a plan because maybe, you know, we sort of walk yeah. in there sort of, I, I know exactly what this mission is. We're going to do this program and that program, and I'm going to do this. And then you walk in there, maybe you're quickly humbled or the, the outgoing mission president will just smile as he waves like, yeah, yeah good luck, good buddy. Luck. Right. Yeah. But I mean, what's your approach to preparing for this or walking into this, this role?
2: Well, we, we definitely keep your instincts are spot on. I we're definitely keeping an open mind about this. And we're going through a tremendous amount of training right now. I mean, there's yeah. an extraordinary amount. Yeah. Of training materials that mission presidents mission leaders um, uh, receive uh, thankfully, um, but one of the, one of the bits of counsel that we've had is that you know don't tear down fences before you know why they were put there <laughs> yeah that's a great and so and so we'll go in with an open mind and open eyes and and uh We know that we've been called at this time with the skills, background, experience, and things that we have to bring to the equation. Mm -hmm. And we'll apply those in time. Um, But I think I think for us initially getting the lay of the land is going to be really, really important. Listening a lot, uh, observing a lot and seeing how things really go. I think it's a great mission. We've just gotten access to all the statistics. They're doing super well. It looks like, and um, yeah, so we we're don't just hoping we don't mess things up, before, right? At right, yeah. this point, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, any other thought
0: or principle that comes to mind that we will make sure we cover before we wrap up, or
2: um, I, you know, one of the things that that uh, that came to mind while we were talking is 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 has to do with problem solving, both mm-hmm. in the business and the and the church setting. One of the things that I've learned is that there's a natural human instinct to oversolve problems, mm. uh, uh, oh, and overshoot the mark. Um, you have a problem, you know, whatever it might be, and it causes, you know, pain or heartache or difficulty. And the natural instinct is to plunk some kind of regulation or rule or, you know, fence in place in, in order to address it. So this can never happen again. Mm, yeah. And, And the fact of the matter is that if you you don't really think it through, maybe this is just an isolated problem. It's very, you know, maybe, maybe very low probability of happening. And what you're really doing is you're putting handcuffs on all these other people that don't need them. And so, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I'm always careful not to overregulate, and I've done that in the business and I've certainly done that in our stake I mean we lived through the COVID with everybody else yeah, yeah. um and um making sure that we were really thoughtful within the guidelines offered by the area presidency uh and the in the brethren in Salt Lake um Um, But within also the context of our stake and the local keys that that I held, making sure that we didn't overshoot the mark was really, really important.
0: I love that. And it brings to mind the story, the experience I had in the stake presidency. We were asked by, you know, the church will have this uh, Days of 47 parade on Pioneer Day. Right. And local stakes will create floats for these things. So we asked this one family to to create a float to sort of spearhead it. You're in charge of it right now. And they were, their creativity just sort of went off off the charts and and they put together a you know, remarkable float. The problem is, is they doubled the budget that they blew it <laughs> out of the water as far as what we gave them, you know? And so we came together to stake presidency sort of talking, well, you know, how do we address this? Do you want to talk with them? And I just said, hey, listen. Yeah, they did that. Maybe we don't ask them to do the next float, but I don't think any we're going to be served by going to them and, and sort of get, reprimanding them or saying, "Do you see what you did here?" It's like, let's find the money, we'll cover it, and we'll move on. And they'll, and we're just grateful they did a great float, and they can go to bed knowing that. Right? We could have yeah. overshot that yeah. being and like his leaders. We learned something. Here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We learned. Yeah. 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 Like we'll I should care for some more time. expectations or yep. directions or whatnot. But I love that that principle because it's so easy, especially from that business setting. Uh-huh. You know, to the. Church setting, like, well, hey, this needs to be addressed, and they need to know, and then we overshoot it. You and, end up with yeah.
2: these huge bureaucracies that yeah. really make it difficult for anybody to function, and it's 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 counterproductive. So awesome. be careful. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and making this work. Um, I even showed up on the wrong day at the wrong location, but hey, you, we we <laughs> were, you were so flexible, and made this happen. Um, and I just wish you the best of of uh, faith and. And uh, encouragement as you go. Out and what a remarkable experience to Thank to you. serve in that part of the world. Thank you. Last question I have, and Greg, we'll start with you, and then Deborah, you can you can answer the same question in your own words. But as you reflect back on your years of being a leader and uh, being a leader in the church, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
2: Uh, you know, as, as a leader you get um, a very unique opportunity to glimpse inside the personal and private lives yeah. of people who are struggling. Um, and um, you can't help if you're really paying attention, you can't help but grow in in personal compassion and understanding and patience for those who do. and And I've learned um, over the years to be far less judgmental. In fact, that, that whole judge and individual thing is the, is, the, is the role that I always hated the worst, mm. being a bishop and stake president. Yeah. Um, to be far less judgmental and to just keep the thought in my heart that there but for the grace of God go I. And that could be my problem and my struggle. And these people need our, our love and compassion. And, and I think that that right there makes you a better follower of Jesus Christ, because that's what he would do. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah, what comes to mind?
0: I
1: I thought of the same thing. Uh, it just when um, I've had these opportunities to be in a leadership position, um, I've had more, more occasion to um, learn about people's struggles, what they're going through. Um, I, and it has become just so clear to me that everybody has struggles, everybody, people who you think have it all together, have every, have everything, everything's going gray. They have no troubles at all. It's not true. Everybody, um, has things to overcome. And that's why we're here. Like if, if, if you didn't have things to overcome, there'd be no point of really being here anyway, i I feel like as I've come to better understand that that um, that everybody has difficulties, and that we can help one another with our difficulties. it um, as we're patient and understanding and not judgmental, um, it's helped me to. To understand that that God looks at me that same way too. Our Savior looks at all of us that way. Like He He understands what we're going through. He understands that we we all need to make progress. And He forgives us when we when we try to do better. But we do have to kind of acknowledge that we're having some trouble and and we need to constantly return to Him.
0: that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them and, uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, solve the burden of meetings by visiting leadingsaints.org slash 14 and getting 14 days access to the Meetings with Saints virtual library.